There's an old proverb that goes something like this. When the heart is not applied, the hands cannot do anything. And how true that is. We know that when our heart is not in something, we are just really ineffective, whatever it is that we put ourselves to. Today's gospel presents a whole group of men, the disciples, who have their hearts literally ripped out of them. It's the evening of the first day of the week, and they have locked themselves up. And suddenly, Jesus, the risen one, defies all locked doors, all broken hearts, all lost visions, and he appears to them. And then a week later, the scene repeats itself all over again. And this time, Thomas, who was absent the first time Jesus appeared, takes center stage. We know that he, along with other disciples, stood at a distance when Jesus was crucified a week earlier, not comprehending all that was happening. He, along with his fellow disciples, their hopes were completely shattered. Oftentimes in this gospel today, he's presented as a skeptic. But really, when you look at the whole story, he is one of the great disciples who, like John, loved Jesus greatly. Centuries after Thomas, we can remain very grateful for his honesty and the humanity of his struggle and coming to belief. We know so little about him, where he came from, his family, and really his destiny. But we do get a hint about him and just his name, that he was Thomas, meaning twin. Who was his twin? We don't know. But maybe we can look in the mirror and see ourselves as someone who has struggled ourselves with belief in our own lives and having doubt and allowing the presence of the risen one to make a difference in our lives at this time. I, for one, know that the crushing experience that Thomas and his fellow disciples experienced is felt in many places today. How many have totally committed themselves to an endeavor only to have it totally destroyed before their eyes. Or maybe you know of someone who has been crushed by a powerful institution that they have been, or even person that they've been totally loyally, loyal to, and then be snuffed out. It's happening. It's happening all over the place um, today. What's our reaction when that happens? Like, like Thomas and the disciples, we oftentimes run and hide. This Sunday is called Divine Mercy Sunday. For both in the resurrection appearances that we have today, Jesus brings his disciples that one word that we hear, peace, mercy, when all has been lost. When St. John Paul II inaugurated the second Sunday of Easter as Divine Mercy Sunday in 2000, was when he canonized St. Faustina Kowalska, who had this vision of Christ and indeed the wounds of his heart, 
uh, flowing mercy from, from Christ's heart. St. Faustina died in 1938, which was the eve of the Nazi invasion of, of Poland. And that was, of course, the beginning of great pain and suffering of that country. And it didn't end there when the war ended, of course, but then, then there was the uh, communist invasion, struggle for more decades of pain and struggle. And, of course, uh, St. John Paul II was from there. And he, he experienced it firsthand himself. And he said that um, the, the, this 20th century was the time of, of great pain and violence that the, that the world had not seen ever before. So it was in need of great mercy. But, of course, that did not end with the 20th century. It has rolled right into this 21st century. So it's most appropriate that we have uh, this Feast of Divine Mercy um, on this Sunday. Mercy comes from the Latin word, it's the English version of the word, Latin word misericordiae. Cordis is the, the Latin word meaning heart. Misericordia means the suffering, the suffering heart, suffering of the heart. So mercy is a form of, of compassion, suffering with another. It's a real attribute of our God. And that's something we just have thought up. It's, of course, been of, of, of God's essence, the very beginning of our knowledge of God. It's God's love spilling into the world with his love. And of course, we know that Pope Francis has been the essence of, of his papacy since he's been our pope for five years now. Um, we, we sung in our responsorial psalm today, Psalm 118, um, that beautiful psalm. Um, echoes the mercy of God. We sang today, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the house of Israel say his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his mercy endures forever. This theme of mercy is something that has pervaded the history of the church, really, on this Sunday. And speaking of these days of Easter, St. Augustine spoke of the Easter octave, called them the days of mercy and pardon. And this very octave day itself he called the compendium of God's mercy. That's 4th century already. So St. John Paul II uh, just did not come up with him, this by himself and year 2000. It really, he, he brought it back to the surface after being set, hidden, hid, kind of hidden for centuries. St. Bernard of Clairvaux um, spoke of this as well back a thousand years ago. He said, what I cannot obtain by myself, I appropriate with trust from the pierced side of the Lord because he is full of mercy. So when we remember all the mercy that has been shown, it allows us to be conduits of God's mercy to one another. That's what this is all about. We know that we have to be this as well. So allow me to conclude with the simple 
some simple ABCs of God's mercy so that we can take this home and be merciful to one another. So A, begin by asking for God's mercy today. You will never be denied. B, be merciful. We are simply following in the footsteps of our God. And C, completely trust in Jesus. He will give you his grace. We can start right here. For the Eucharist is indeed the font of God's mercy, love, and forgiveness.